Good morning and welcome to a new episode of Align with Lina, or maybe I should say good afternoon also because I it is 12 o'clock, at least in, in the Atlanta area. Thank you so much for joining us. I love that we've got um, folks who love to watch these episodes because of the content that we offer. And Align with Lina is nothing more than an opportunity for you to hear the stories of other people, ordinary people who just like me have learned to align with their authentic self, have learned to come into alignment with a deeper truth within us that we disconnect from when we are young. It happens when we are children. We disconnect from that true essence and lose touch with who we really are because we begin to to develop an ego and we begin to think that we are something other than what we are. And today, I am really excited to introduce you to a really amazing woman. And the reason I think that Rainey is amazing is because she has had a pretty uh, challenging childhood. And she, like the rest of us, you know, me with my childhood, developed an egoic story about who she is, developed, developed a sense of insecurity that had her run her life in a certain way that um, didn't always lead to the best of circumstances. But then she did something very courageous. She committed to the journey of awakening. She committed to finding her true voice. And today I want you to be just as inspired as I have been with Rainey hearing her story, hearing how she came into alignment and hearing how she stays in that alignment. Rainey, I am so excited that you are here with me. Thank you for joining me. <laughs> Oh, thank you, Lina. Thanks for having me. I'm super Absolutely. Today. Absolutely. And let me just say a, a quick shout out to um, Elle. Thank you for joining us, Elle. I'm so grateful that you're here. I know Elle's going to be very inspired by this story, as, as will everybody who listens to this. So, Rainy, let's let's just jump in because you okay. are such a bright light. And you. I, there's one thing that I'm certain about you is you love sharing your story to inspire others. Um and oh, Spence, thank you for joining us as well. And I'm happy to have you here. So our our viewership is increasing. So oh. Rainy, let's, yes. let's just start at the beginning. Tell me about your life before you entered into your amazing journey of awakening and aligning with your truth. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> um, I, let's just say it like this. I have always been a very loud, bubbly, exciting, big energy type of person. I was always the one trying to make jokes and laugh and fun and bubbly. And I was always outgoing, very extroverted. Um, but what a lot of people didn't realize is that um, that was my representative. <laughs> that was my representative. She did a great job. We love her. We're glad she was around. Um but I think for a long time, I played a role. I played the role that I thought everybody wanted me to be. Um, just wanted to be liked and wanted to be loved and wanted to be accepted and wasn't quite sure what that looked like. Um, you know, had a rough childhood, you know, the parents, the divorce, the drinking, the fighting, you know, the um, physical and emotional abuse that both my mom and I, you know, went through and things of that nature. And, um, you know... I, I So from all of just that, in a general overview, um, when I got into my 20s and I, I got married and I had the baby and I got the job and the house and the car and, you know, got this whole life that I really had not even honestly thought that I was going to have, you know, I really didn't have time to think about that growing up. And, and then I got it all and then I began to lose it all. 
I began to lose it all. And um, that was the big wake up. That's when that's when my journey really started for me is when everything that I had kind of built all began to just fall apart. And so um, that was I think I think that the deconstruction is the beginning of the construction of the new self when that happens, you know, and by the way, that is, that is typical for, for most everybody, very, very few people will enter this journey because they just begin to get curious. The majority things have to go out of their control uh, to be able to, to get into curiosity. So you're, you're not alone. That's this happened to me, happened to everyone that I'm seeing on this, on this, um, (laughs) but one thing I do want to say is I know you're going to start sharing a little bit about your story and I want to make sure that, that everybody understands that when we go through this awakening process, what makes it successful for us to return to alignment with our authentic self is that we do not blame others. So even though Rainey is going to share some information, this is in no way, shape or form to condemn um, her parents. It Mm -hmm. is strictly to talk about how her parents participated in the evolution of this soul that that she is. Right. Yeah. Go ahead and tell us a little bit about what you began to discover as you entered this journey. Well, yeah, I mean, that that was the thing. So, I mean, I knew I had a rough childhood growing up. I knew there were some things that had happened, you know, between my parents and my dad leaving and, you know, the alcoholism and things of that nature. Um, you know, so I, I knew I had some stuff to work on. I knew I wasn't perfect. I knew I had some some issues that could be resolved. But when my marriage started to fall apart and I lost my job and the finances started all cave in, you know, I'm like, OK, I've got to figure out what's going on. I went to therapy. I went to seven years of therapy, (laughs) seven years, love therapy. And everybody's like, well, did it work for you? I mean, of course it did. I mean, every step that we take, I feel like builds another layer and was necessary for the place that I was at. Was I ready to take some life jumping transformational workshop? Not at that point. I needed some ground basic information of like, what happened to me? Why did I react the way I did? What were those things? And oftentimes, um, oftentimes, Rainey, therapy in at the very least, what it does is it gives us an opportunity for others to hear our story without that judgment. Was so important. That was important yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I didn't I didn't really have a voice and I didn't I, I had a voice in a playful, entertaining way, but my feelings had no voice. My my little girl who had been wounded and had been hurt had no voice, didn't even know she was really in there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that, that definitely was, um, it was very important for me, but I went through therapy, um, went to a networking event one day, met this lady and she invited me to unity North. Um, that was kind of the next step on my path. Um, and you know, at first she invited me to church and I thought nothing of it. And I remember me and my ex got in a fight one day and he was like, so we're breaking up now and nobody's going to like you anymore and you're not going to have the same friends. What are you going to do? And I'm like, I'm going to go to church. (laughs) I'm going to go to church. Well, God will love me. I'm going to church. (laughs) You know, and 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 it was just like out of nowhere. I mean, but that one moment changed the whole trajectory. I mean, Unity North has been my home for the last, you know, seven or eight years now. And um, has been a huge, huge base of knowledge and safety and love and family and support um, that has been instrumental in transforming uh, my life and my the way I think and the way I see the world. So that that was a huge piece for me as well. Yes. 
Yes, yes, um, yes. <laughs> and of course, at Unity North, I got to meet all these amazing teachers. I got to meet you. Um, I got to take your amazing Power of Awareness workshop, um, which was fantastic. Um, I got to meet some people from Essence of Being. Mm-hmm. Uh, Essence of Being was a pivotal, pivotal, um, I think probably the most pivotal for me because during that I uncovered and remembered and realized that I had suppressed uh, being molested. Mm-hmm. And so that was kind of the final missing piece of the puzzle for me, because after I had done all this work, I'd done the therapy, I'd went to church, you know, I'm, I'm taking little mini workshops here and there, but my life wasn't changing, but my behaviors, yeah. my habits, the things that, you know, were pushing people away, you know, why, why are these things still happening? Why, you know, I'm doing this work yeah. on myself. Why is it not happening? Well, what I realized is that I had been repressing some memories that I, that looking back now, I can see how it affected every single little thing in my life. Yeah. And it affected the way I viewed life. It affected how I felt about myself, how I felt about being a mother, a daughter, a wife, dating, you know, all of these things. And so I began to do the really deep work on myself and that was not easy and it did not always look pretty. at all. It never is because we're discovering a very, a very hurt, angry aspect of ourselves, which, which we call our, our inner child. And, you know, there, there are two sides to this inner child. And this is what all of this work leads us to discover that this child is holding our darkness and our light. Um, because when we begin to experience that initial wounding, our true self retreats because that part of ourselves feel like um, who I am is not is wounded is damaged is not good enough and then we begin to act out from our our wounded self which goes into protection tell the viewers a little bit paint paint the picture of what that was that you discovered about yourself because I don't want to dwell on that too much let's go ahead and get that out of the way yeah. And then let's talk about what you did to reclaim yourself, to bring yourself right. into wholeness, into oneness, because that is what we are aligning with. And it is what we are awakening to. Mm-hmm. That's what the shift in consciousness is about. Right. So share share that that vulnerable part of your, you know, that your little girl experience and the ages yeah. that you went through that. Um, yeah. So it was right around the age of seven. Um, I was living with my family out in California. Um, and my father had gone through some really rough times, um, drinking very badly, um, things had happened there. And, um, it was my father. It was my father who molested me. It was around the age of seven. Um, and you know, I honestly didn't remember it at all. I didn't remember anything before the age of seven for years. And my mom used to get so mad at me. She used to be like, well, how can you go remember your life? And it was great. We did the Disney world and we did this because she was that mom. You know what I mean? She was the mom that did all those wonderful, great things. And, you know, for her, she's like, why don't you remember any of this? And I didn't realize that I was protecting myself and I was blocking it out. And, um, but that it really did color and shape the way I interacted with all men, not just men in the bedroom, but men at work, men in friendships, you know, um, I was on, and then the funny thing is I was mostly only friends with men for the longest time. I had more men friends than I did female friends, which was, yeah. which was weird. Um, but you know, that I, 
so so knowing how it affected me then at that time, I really don't know how seven-year-old Rainy really felt. I don't know what it really looked like for her. I know that right after it happened, I had to leave my father in California and move to South Carolina with my mom's family. So I think there was this feeling of confusion about what does love look like? And now, oh my gosh, love is, I'm now being, now I'm abandoning that love and then that love is gone. And you know, it's also a double-edged sword because I, I don't even really believe if my father remembered it at all. Um, I think he was drinking and doing drugs so heavily at that time. I don't know if he was even conscious of it because the man who was conscious was a very loving, amazing father. When he was sober and when he was good, he was great. I mean, he made me believe I was going to change the world. You know, yeah. he had me thinking that I was the most special thing that hit the planet. Yeah. So, um, you know. But that is what happens with those those who go on to abuse others, uh, and we all do it. To a certain degree, we all do it. We may not do it the same way, but yelling to at a child and totally, completely shattering their, their sense of worth is just as violent as emotional um, uh, abuse, as you know, verbal abuse, as physical abuse. And we have to understand that healing requires that we recognize that anything that does not uphold the, the, the magnificence of our, of the kid that we are right. is a form of abuse that shatters the psyche. It shatters our, our authentic sense of self. So your father, for him to go on and do that is, is because at some level he had experienced that because we can yes. only do to others what has been done unto us. Yeah. That's why I said earlier, this is not a show about ever blaming anybody because hurt people hurt others. Happy people right. are happy for others and happy in their lives. Happy people don't go around hurting others. Right. However, every person has a happy side and a hurt side. And this journey is about making going into that hurt aspect of ourselves. So we stop the, the chain of pain. We stop passing right. down that abuse. So keep going and share well, more thing, about your experience. The thing that the thing that was when this began to unfold. So let me just kind of like paint the timeline. So went to unity, um, did split up from my husband, went through the separation, took the workshops, took the teacher training. Uh, well, let me stop. Before I started teacher training, I'd been taking the workshops. I've been doing the work. My father passed away. So when my father passed away, this is when everything began to unfold. This is when all the memories started to occur. Honestly, I believe his soul led me through a trail of breadcrumbs to these clues, to these letters, to these evidence, to these memories, all of these things, you know, so it was really I feel like his gift. Um, also, right before he passed away, the funny thing is, this is this is crazy. Um, I'm sure you know of radical forgiveness, the way you oh, yeah. write the forgiveness letters and things of that yes, nature. Yes. So I had been doing a lot of work on myself and I had started dating again. And I realized that every man that I dated had some aspect of my father in them. And I'm just like, I don't want to be dating my dad. Why am I doing this? Like, I need to write some forgiveness letters about this. So I wrote some forgiveness letters to my father. And when you write, when you do this process, you write three letters. And on the last day, you burn all the letters. So I did this process with my father. And two days later, I got a phone call that he died. <laughs> so I believe that my forgiveness through that process released him yeah. and allowed him to pass on. And I feel like from that point on, it was like game on rainy. It was this, 
this trail, this following, this instinct and these, I mean, from finding things, I went to California, went through his things, finding things there to talking to his friends, things coming up through that process to doing breath work to, and having memories and visualizations to doing hypnosis. I mean, it was a, it was a whole process of uncovering what I had spent the last 30 some years burying and hiding and, um, you know, our locks in the, it locks it, it down. <laughs> yes. Yes. And it was years that you, you've been on this journey. So from the time that you went to unity and this, this process of, of self-discovery, self-awareness began roughly how many years has it been? So my father passed away in 2012. So, um, my marriage started to fall apart in 2010. Um, and 2012, my dad passed away. Um, we, we split in 2010, dad passed away in 2012. I took teacher training in 2015. So through from, from 2012, I would say to now mm -hmm. it has taken me to really, to really feel at a good place of completion, forgiveness, mm -hmm. I have manifested and attracted a man that I love in my life who's good and a healthy relationship, which that's a whole nother story. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, just it, it, it's taken that long. And, and there are still times where I see how it affects my life. There's still things that I'm working through that literally like in this new relationship came up from that trauma that, exactly. that, that affected the way that I'm showing up in a relationship that I wasn't able to see before because I didn't have a conscious partner who wasn't able to you know, I don't know this work on myself and I'm like, great, I'm fixed. It's all me. And I know how to be me with just me and me with my kid and just me. But then you get in a relationship and then all this stuff started coming up again. Yes. So everything that I thought I had like worked through was just right back up for me to, to, to deal with. So. Well, and it comes up for several reasons. So let's put it in context. First, you know, we, we experience our wounding and that wounding causes to suppress our our experience of it to suppress our pain about it and the only reason we suppress it is because we are immature children who don't have a logical mature way of making sense of how somebody that we love could do something that we internally know is not right Mm -hmm. So that inner knowingness that something is off, what we end up doing is we go into self-protection and we develop an ego mind, which is all about survival. Our ego mind is interested in the survival of this body. And when we're operating from that survival place, we go into lockdown and that from that lockdown. As we're surviving, we're, we're in the world, we begin to develop uh, coping mechanisms, we go into manipulation, we create masks, we become who others want us to be. For right. me, I became a people pleaser because dad left when I was 10. And I felt one of my deepest woundings with his abandonment. And I then changed, I shifted from being a happy go lucky girl to being an insecure um, kid who felt uh, unworthy of being loved that people that I love were going to leave me. So I became a people pleaser me as too. my mask. Me yeah, it, it's enough. And you know what men do it too. They may not call it that, but they do <laughs> go on to manipulate just as much as women do. Everybody does when we develop an ego. Yeah. And here you are, you you're beginning to discover because everybody right now, we are in the midst of a shift in consciousness. We're moving from a three dimensional world 
into a five-dimensional world. That means we're moving into a higher frequency. We're moving into the level of accepting our multidimensional self, our soul self, our spirit self, which is non-physical. There's more to us than these bodies. But as children, all we know to protect is the body. So those emotions get suppressed. And then we have the perfect storms that activate all of yep. that. Like you, well, I had the perfect life. Hey, Leslie, I have had the perfect life. I had acquired everything that I was supposed to acquire um, like you did to do life right. And then boom, for me, the death of my mother is what began me on, on my trail of breadcrumbs yep. as your father activated your trail. So let's go to... Um, here you are creating a beautiful in, in the midst of a beautiful relationship and you meet Shane and he begins to activate things about you. <laughs> Let's talk about that because it's so important that people understand why what we think we have healed, why those irritations are invitations to look a little deeper again. So, um, so I guess let me, let me wrap up the last thought of, so dad died. It's taken all this time. It's done. A, it's a workshops, praying, meditating, uh, burning things, you know, you name it. I've gone through all of these things to work on and to heal. So I've gotten to the place of, I have forgiven my father. I feel complete with that. Um, I, you know, I, I'm in a good space with that. Um, I feel like my life as a whole for myself is pretty good. You know, everything seems pretty stable, you know, got a job, I got a place, I got this, got that. Okay. Things are good. So then, um, you know, every now and again, I would get this itch and I'm like, I need to date. I want to date. I haven't been on a date. I'm feeling girly. Let me get on a date. You know? So I get on the dating apps, you know, and you know, I, I meet this guy and he comes to pick me up and Lina, the night that he picked me up, he pulled up in his car and he got out of the car and he was standing there with his umbrella and he was just waiting for me at the bottom of the steps, like pretty woman, like, you know, whatever. <laughs> and he grabbed me and he kissed me right away. And when he did, I was like, oh my goodness. Like, I just was like blown away. And I've been wanting a relationship for a long time and it felt like everybody that I was attracting, um, I had a pattern of trying to attract people that needed fixing and saving and to the point where we know we can't fix and save each other. I know that I teach a personal development workshop. I know that, but my pattern was to try and attract folks that needed that so that I could then fail them, which then created more evidence that I was, I was not good enough and I couldn't do it because I couldn't save my family. I couldn't save my dad. So now I would create scenarios in my job and in my relationships where I would attract things, projects that were like, you know, here's the project. Great. I can take it. It's going to be amazing. And this is the project that like no man could ever, ever on the planet do successfully, (laughs) even if they had all the tools, resources and money they need. So then I could go through it, give it 110% fail and go, Oh my God, see there, I did it. I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough. That's it. Hold on a second. Let's talk about that because you're talking like Leslie said, it's a great topic. Um, This is something that is really important and is, in my opinion, is really missing in this whole self-help and healing movement. Mm-hmm. And that is that we attend the workshops, we spend 10 years paying money to go from one event to the other, one book to the next, one healer to the next, one blah, 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 blah. And we go on this chase for, for healing. 
Mm-hmm. The part of us that is chasing the healing is our ego. Mm-hmm. Because our ego does not want to uh, be in a place of, of suffering. Mm-hmm. However, our soul also goes on that journey. And in our soul, which is the whole totally complete aspect of ourselves, is simply waiting out until our ego gets exhausted of chasing. And we take a step and say, okay, there has got to be another way. These patterns are repeating. I've done the whole freaking healing journey. Mm -hmm. Then we really go into that space that the Course in Miracles talks about. We need to create a miracle where we choose to live in love instead of fear. We've got to look at those beliefs Mm -hmm. that are still active. And we need to say no to that part of us that we've already completed the healing with. Because that is what allows us to come back to our authentic self. The pattern is seen. The pattern is experienced. But the healing is the saying no to the pattern. At least that that's how I have experienced this. Yes. To say to love. What would happen to me, though? Here, here's the frustrating part from beginning. So, so beginning of the journey, it's like. You're under the rock. You're like, oh, I don't even know I'm under the rock. There's no rock. I don't know what you're talking about. You know, and then you get out, you do the workshop, you do the workshop, and you're like, oh, there's a rock and there's this thing and great, you know, and, 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 but yet you still do something and you still end up somehow back up underneath the rock, you know, and it's like this continue. So I would see my patterns. Once I woke up and I did the workshops and I knew what my patterns were and I was beginning to see them, it was great, but I still couldn't change them. I still exactly. couldn't change them. I, I would literally, or what would happen is at first I'd see him and I'd go, okay, well, same thing's happening. Same thing's happening. I'm doing the same thing, doing the same thing. Okay. Yep. Same result. Next next time it's like, okay, I'm doing it. I'm not going to do it. Maybe I shouldn't do it. Maybe I don't. You know, it's like it, each time it would get a little bit better, but mm-hmm. the frustrating part was that I still, even the times when I thought I was making a new decision, I would somehow end up right back at the same place and go, oh yeah. my God. <laughs> Yeah. I just uh, somehow or another I thought I was walking down a different street and I am on the same street. I'm yeah. on the same I'm under the same rock. I I thought it was a different rock at least. Because <laughs> no, wherever wherever we rock. go, wherever we go, there we are. Right, right. And that that was the frustrating part for me because it then began to make me doubt the work that I believed in for so much. Because I've always been that that girl that's like people can change and it's great and it's good. And then when it comes to me, I'm like, okay, physician, heal thyself. How how come I've taken the workshops and I'm teaching the workshops and I still can't make the changes in my life? I still keep attracting the man and it not being either not being in alignment with what I what I wanted or deserved, or maybe I would get it and then self-sabotage it. Same thing with jobs. Mm-hmm. And so it was so frustrating because I I've been the girl since day one that's like I'm 110% in. Look, teach me, learn. What's wrong with me? Fix me. Like I'll fix me, whatever it is. <laughs> But it felt like it would never end. And I think that was the part, the pieces that have been the nuggets for me, I guess the realizations have been, there is no finish line. I was ready to run the race and finish it and win. (laughs) There isn't one. (laughs) And I really had to let go of that. And I still feel frustrated about that one. (laughs) I was really ready to be like, oh, I've done all the work. I'm fixed. (laughs) This stuff is great. I did it. Look at me. Yay. No. Mm-hmm. Um, there is levels though. There is levels of completion, kind of like a Nintendo game. 
You know, mm-hmm. you go through and you you beat one level and then you get to the next level. And that's kind of how I've had to shift my thought process about it is yes. because I have to be able to validate the amount of work that I have done and the places Absolutely. that I have gotten, because if not. Absolutely. Yes. And the way the way that I like to explain it very much in alignment with you, the, those levels, of course, the miracle says that there there are stages we're going to go through um, and the power of awareness. We go through six phases. Those phases are phases of development um, that allow us to get to see the two sides that we have. Mm-hmm. So the first part of the journey, the self-help type journey is, is becoming self-aware of our wounded side. Mm-hmm. The second part of the journey that solidifies the awakening. The first part is we're becoming self-aware. Awakening is starting, but we don't abide in that awakened state until we go to the second phase, the second stage, which in, in, um, most teachings, so you can consider it uh, like the the hero's journey in the power of awareness until you move into the fifth phase. You that's where you enter for many, many people. This could be a couple of decades because first <laughs> we have to heal the wounded child. Yeah. Then we have to develop a relationship with the 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 child within. Mm-hmm. Call it the Christ consciousness or Buddha nature, our already whole and complete self. So you cannot be developing a relationship with your whole complete self until you have done the work of healing the wounded aspect of yourself. And the wounded aspect of ourself is our ego. Mm-hmm. When we experience that sense of healing, we've done it, we've crossed the finish line. Yes, you know, I'm done. And I know it because I've done it too. And teaching now for 13 years, I see the pattern with every person. I can tell you somebody who has done enough work that they're excited to think they're done and then they disappear because they're done. Yeah. And a couple of years later, they come back because then comes the next part. And the next part is the journey where we have to learn to love ourselves. We saw how we hated ourselves first. That's where I was going next. (laughs) (laughs) That was my next aha moment. You you can't. It's about learning. It's balance. And I didn't. didn't, The the scary part is I thought I did love myself all that time. All the time that I wasn't loving myself, I thought I was loving myself. If anybody said, are you love yourself? I'm like, of course I love myself. I have no idea. And like people are like, I'll send you love. I would think it. I'm like, yeah, I'm sending you love. But I didn't know what it meant to actually feel the feelings because I had numbed out most of my life. I thought, you know, I did a lot of drugs in my 20s to cover up all that pain and stuff that I didn't even know I was, you know, that was inside of me. I um, I shut down my feelings as a way to cope with life. In exactly. General. exactly. And so, you know, even in my 30s, once I became a mother and that was, you know, it wasn't the whole partying and phasing out. I was still finding other ways to just shove my feelings down by food, eating food food, you know, whatever it may be. And I didn't realize until I went to the essence of being, that was the big aha for me with essence of being was that it is important to feel your feelings. And it is, I do believe that our feelings cause disease. And if our emotions are not processed, I believe that energy does may not cause, maybe it, maybe it doesn't even cause it, but it adds to the growth. It, it, it fuels that disease in our body. And I've gotten to work with a lot of integrative doctors on a couple different projects that, you know, I had that awareness. And so 
feeling our feelings is important and not shutting them down. And yes, of course we need our brain and our logics to make good decisions and, 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 and to move forward. But our body of emotion is just as important. And I think that that was just like a big ha ha moment for me, you know, but you know, but again, nobody can escape the process of becoming self-aware of our wounded self, because that process leads to the acceptance of it. Yeah. It's what what stops the resistance of looking at it, the um, suppressing it. It stops the denial of it. It stops the, like you said, you had no recollection of it because many, many of us as children, we dissociate from something that just makes no sense to our soul. Our right. soul is the bringer of love to the planet. When we are experiencing a form of rejection by any form of abuse is rejection to the, the innocent soul that we are. That form of rejection sends us into self-protection. Mm-hmm. When we're in self-protection, it is strictly uh, developing an ego that is all about being a victim or being a bully. There's Those are the two sides that show mm-hmm. up and we live inside of those two um, until we become self-aware. We yes. accept that the wounding came from where it came. Now comes the forgiveness. You cannot move into true self-love without that forgiveness piece. You can't forgive until you become aware. You can't become aware until you accept what happened. Right. Um, so well, there that's is a, been the longest part is learning to love myself. And yeah. even still, even, even until I, I mean, even times recently with the new relationship and the things showing up, I mean, there's still... You know, even now, or well, let, let's say with, even with the weight, I'm, I'm still working on trying to get my body healthy. Like I feel like emotionally and spiritually and mentally, I've, I've done all that work, but my body was the last one, you know, but that is loving myself too. I'm not loving myself if I'm not eating healthy and I'm not taking care of myself. And sometimes you don't see that as like, that's that discipline and that, that, that yes. love kind of, you know, tough love stuff where it's like, okay, you got to do the hard stuff too. And that is a part of loving yourself. So I think letting go of the win realizing that loving myself was not always about the foofy ha feel good stuff it was about the hard stuff doing the hard stuff saying the things that you don't want to say having the conversations you don't want to have doing the stuff that's tough that was i think another big you know piece but but that's where we reclaim our power because when we begin to activate that that throat chakra, when we begin to speak, you know, you're talking about the body, the integration, mind, body, spirit. We are energy beings first and foremost. That what we are is non-physical consciousness first and foremost. That makes a decision to have a physical body. When that decision to have a physical body is is created, we then are here in this human world to to extend the love that we are the these bodies are a way for us to be the expression of of our soul in action love in action mm-hmm. well when we emotionally shut down all that energy all that love gets suppressed that's what we really get suppressed mm-hmm. and to be able to express it which is our authentic self we have to begin to say the things that we would have gotten in trouble for when we were little saying the things that we think are going to cause people to reject us, to not like us, that people pleaser is all about saying what needs to be said so that I can make sure that nobody will leave me, which creates attachments and those <laughs> conditional relationships, codependent messes that we have to clean up. And you can't clean them up without going through these steps, going through this process. But the self-love piece 
that is a whole different journey because the self-love piece requires that we also begin to create a relationship with with our higher self our god self our source whatever you want to call it let's let's unless you have something else you want to say um, let's go down that path i was just saying that that was the next thing so i think uh, the next big nugget for me was that ultimately it was always about me and god Because having been molested and having my trust broken in that way, trust has always been my biggest issue. And I realized that doing the work at Essence of Being that not only did I not trust others, but I didn't trust myself. And I felt like I didn't trust God. I felt like at the time that I needed him the most and 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 he wasn't there. Like, where was he? Why was he there? Why do you allow it to happen? You know, so ultimately, you know, it's like we go through, you're right. I mean, we do look for who's to blame, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? But at the end of the day, it's like, okay, okay. The, 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 it goes all the way up to, okay, at the end of the day, it's the big man, big man in charge or the divine or whatever. Who's in charge? Like, why'd you let it happen? Yeah. Where were, were you sleeping on the job? What, what happened? And these are those tough questions in these moments of like, where I've literally uh, went out to California, which was part of my healing journey. And yeah. when I did that, um, I went out to the desert for a couple of days by myself, no electronics. And I was stuck. I was struggling. I was stuck. I was trying to make my dreams come true. I was, didn't know what I was doing. I really went out to California to process my molestation. And I, I went out there thinking that I was going out there for this big, huge success when it was really about this sole mission to recover a piece of myself. But when I was out in the desert, the one thing that I did was I, first of all, when I pulled up to the desert, I realized that it was a trailer in the middle of nowhere that looked just like my mother's trailer in the middle of nowhere. And so my biggest fear, one of my biggest fears was I'm going to be alone. I'm going to be alone like my mom. And what am I going to do? And I knew that was part of the work that was coming up for me there. But being alone in the middle of nowhere with God and just God and no electronics and by yourself, that's a tough thing for a minute. And especially when you're already in the dark night of the soul. And, but I questioned, I screamed, I yelled. We had lots of conversations and people are like, how could you do that? I'm like, how can I not? Like that's, exactly. you know, like I'm, I want to serve. I want to do good. I'm, I'm here. I'm trying to heal. I'm trying to learn like, where are you at? And so mm-hmm. I think at the end of the day, it really was about me and God. But what I realized was, is when I finally surrendered, when I finally let go, when I finally stopped fighting, God, energy, the universe had a chance to get in and do something (laughs) because until then I had been blocking any help or receiving any divine guidance or anything. I wasn't leaving any room. I was edging God out. I was like, Hey, no, well, you know, whatever. But when you get to the place where you're like, I have no choice. (laughs) Okay, God, fly the plane, (laughs) whatever you're going to do. And I think that was ultimately um, your spiritual connection with God, divine source, whatever you want to call it. It, To me, the name doesn't matter. It's all the same. I grew up kind of Baptist, so I still kind of look at God like that big daddy in the sky sometimes. And it makes me feel good. And I'm okay with it. (laughs) But so, you know, and and I know it looks different for other people. Some people it's universe, it's divine. But until you get that right, 
nothing mm -hmm. else is going to be right. Absolutely. But in that usually does not happen until we have done that wounded uh, child work. And the reason we, yes, Leslie, we have to surrender. The reason we cannot develop that real deep connection with God is because as long as we're wounded, we have two stories going on. One, I'm not good enough. Nobody can love me. That blocks God. Number two, I better protect myself and take care of myself because nobody ever will. That blocks God too. <laughs> yeah, that so either being that bully, you know, I'm going to have to do it all by myself or yeah. nobody's going to want me. I'm, I am worthless. Those two thought processes, and this is where the journey with God really happens. And one of the reasons I love teaching A Course in Miracles, it's so clear. It is our thoughts that block God. There is nothing but our thinking that makes it impossible for us to align with God mm -hmm. because the thought that nobody wants me or the thought that I've got to take care of it by myself, those thoughts are blocks. They, they do not allow for the surrender. The only thought that allows for the surrender is, okay, God, what would you have me do? It is truly that moment when we decide no, I can't handle this by myself. It is a very vulnerable uh, place to be. And, you know, yes, Elliot, too, you've been blocking God, too. We all do. Mm -hmm. um, and that is where the awakening begins to really happen in earnest. The first part of the journey is is the beginning of awakening. We open the door just a little bit when we enter the, the inner child healing work. Yeah. But until we have done that inner child healing work and we see how our ego has been protecting us until we have that clear awareness of our two patterns, that victim, that bully that eventually turns into that spiritualized ego that then feels like, you know, I, I, I failed at being um, spiritual. I failed begins to doubt because that ego sense of self, I, I, guess the I was like, I'm done. I'm like, it's a wrap. I, you know, the matrix where they're like, I took the red pill and I took the yeah. blue pill. I'm like, I don't, I want to untake whatever pill I took. I'm done. It's a wrap. <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to do this anymore because apparently everything I thought was wrong. And here's the funny part. So this journey we've been talking about and I know we've been a little back and forth because it is, there's so many pieces to it, but oh, yeah. it's been such a long road for me um, that I feel like, it's happened in layers and waves, but just as much as last November, I was at that place of surrender again. You know what I mean? Like literally I'd, I'd, I'd lost a project. It was over. It was done. I hadn't found another one. I wasn't sure what I was going to do. I was back in the, what I felt like the same place. So that here's the other part. You're going to get back and that thing's going to come again and you're again and again, same street and that same thing. And you're going to be like, Oh my God, I'm in the same place again. I yeah. teach this crap. And somehow <laughs> I have landed in the same spot. We do. And, 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 and I literally, I went and did a workshop mastery, one of the essence of being courses. It was timed perfectly, you know, which is mastery is about breaking through your fear. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go do that. <laughs> I come back and I literally, after doing that work and after surrendering, literally surrendering, and it was probably one of my tougher surrenders. There's probably been three or four times in my life where it's like, you know, you're down to your knees. You're kind of like, I got nothing. I really don't, yes. I don't know yes. where else to go from here. Totally. And sure enough, I met this man. I got a job. I mean, you know, once I surrendered, everything just everything that I needed and wanted began to flood in. 
Yes. And, and but that's where the other work begins is that exactly. being able to receive it and exactly. to allow it to stay and not to self-sabotage it. And that's kind of where I've been, especially with the relationship part is, um, you know, I did feel healed as a person. I did do the forgiveness work. I've done all the stuff. I felt really good about where I was with everything in my childhood. And then this beautiful man shows up who's everything on my list. I made a list, ladies. I made a list, wrote it all down. I'm like, I want X, Y, Z, blah, blah, blah. He shows up and he's all of that. All and of he, that. And I'm and like, he just showed God, raining. Like, here's my evidence. God is real. He's got my back. He just get, sent me the man and the job. And like, you know, I'm all like, okay, great. And then all of a sudden things start happening in our relationship. Like once we made that commitment, him and I went to unity North to do the white stone ceremony. And it was something about after that day, when we walked through that thing together and we made that commitment, all of a sudden, all this stuff started coming up. <laughs> and, I, and I believe it's partly what we say in workshop too, is when there's so much love in one space, anything unlike it comes up to be healed. Absolutely. So now I'm in this new relationship and I'm thrown off because I'm thinking I've done all this work. Why is this stuff coming up again? <laughs> you know uh, what I mean? Why, why is this all? And he's looking at me going, why are we fighting every day? I, I'm about to have to dip. Like this is not working. Like, you know, and, and so I think that, you know, thank God it, I met a, a man who wants to be conscious and he started going to unity with me and he went and took essence of being and, I think the thing for him, he grew up with a great family. He didn't have any trauma in his childhood, you know? So I'm looking at him going, there's something, well, there's gotta be something like you had perfect parents. Like, what is that like? I don't even know what that means, but he went and he was so glad he did because we now have a common language. And he's like, I feel like I can communicate with you better. And I do have PTSD from it. You know, I, from all the abuse, mental, emotional, physical, um, I didn't realize how bad P how bad PTSD that I had. Meaning anytime there's a yelling or an argument or a trigger, I go from zero to like hot and protective and fight mode, fight, flight, leave, run, hide, whatever, whatever one I can do, I'm gonna do it and I'm gonna do it like 110%. And yeah. I don't even and I can't even catch until recently, I would have a hard time catching myself, you know. Mm -hmm. So that's been a struggle for him and I in the relationship was that that getting, you know, I get triggered and then I'm not sure what to do with it. And I'm immediately in fear and I'm going back to that seven year old little girl and I'm either going to fight you or I'm going to leave or I'm going to hide, whichever yeah. one doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you, whatever one. <laughs> you were talking about your amazing man that shows up in your world and he popped up over here and let us know. Hi, Shane, how, how, <laughs> how much he loves you. And of course, um, that is that is beautiful but you know <laughs> that what you're talking about that is the second part of this journey mm -hmm. the the first we see our own worthiness and we do that healing work yeah then then we have to rec reclaim our worthy self it is a whole different lesson it is a lesson that does not happen without a conscious decision to let love in and as yeah. Shane is saying, yes, love is the answer. Love, <laughs> love is the answer because, and here's why, here's why love is the answer. Love is our authentic self. Mm -hmm. 
It is the part of ourselves that we suppressed when we believed we were being damaged, when we believe we were being hurt by another person. When you look at what happens to us as children, there is a logical process by which we begin to self-protect. But because we had unconscious parents who couldn't help us work through that, we developed coping mechanisms. We we developed um, the skills that we needed to develop to survive. And when we are totally and completely willing to go back and reclaim our true self, our true self is an aspect of God. Our true self, our soul is, is like a ray to the sun. Our soul is, it is like a piece of God, source, spirit, whatever you want to call it. Well, when, I, I wanted to say when you, the thing about the trigger. So Shane and I went to unity the other Sunday and David Alt was speaking and he said something that was a big game changer for me because I had been using the word trigger a lot, you know, okay, I'm getting triggered. I'm getting triggered. I'm aware of it. I know it's happening. Okay. Well, what's coming up for me? And he said, change the word trigger to signal. It's a signal. And for me, I was like, oh my God, that's a signal for love. Every time I get triggered, it is a signal that I need to be loved, that whatever part of that is inside of me needs to be loved. And most of the time it is fear. And I realized that because I have been, I've spent, I didn't even realize it at the time, which makes me very sad to some degree, but that I've spent the majority of my life living in fear, holding my breath, holding my breath, literally like to the point where, you know, we'd be going to meditations and people are like, are you breathing? You know, (laughs) you're, you're, you're stopping breathing, keep breathing, you know? And so, um, Shane did this really sweet thing. He made this card after workshop that has the love and the fear thing on it, you know, like each side so we can remind ourselves and say, Hey, you know, okay, this is coming up. Am I, am I being in love right now? Or am I being in fear? You know, because when yeah. you're in a relationship, you can fight to be right, or you can fight to be happy. You can be in love and stay in the love thought system, or you can be in fear. Yeah. And you know, that that's where the power of awareness is all about that is we have to shift because fear is the absence of love. It is a darkened space that we have created. When you think about light, think about love as being light. Mm-hmm. It is always on. The sun is always shining. What happens when it goes dark is that there is an absence of light. So fear is an absence of love. When we enter into the space of fear, that is because we have blocked love. Love doesn't go away. We just blocked it with the thoughts that we're having um, that always want we want to be right about. That's why, you know, you cannot be um, happy and right. Righteousness to a lot of people, make, <clears throat> they, we believe that that makes us happy, but it's just a momentary high. Mm-hmm. True love is accepting, is gentle, does not need to prove anything. And we haven't learned that kind of love, because all of us learned conditional love. You got to be a good boy or a good girl, and mommy or daddy will be happy with you. You got to eat your veggies, and then you'll get the cookie. You got to do this, and then you get that. You got to pass a test, and then you go to the next grade. Life, as we know, it has been a series of conditional teachings. So as we move into this journey of awakening, All that is left to do is to develop that relationship with God where we are literally becoming aware that our soul is God expressing itself and it only knows to love. So what is it that keeps us from being the presence of that love is a thought that we're thinking. That's why I say every irritation 
is an invitation to see our ego's motivation. I don't care how spiritual we get, any thought that has us believe that we're right, any thought that has us believe that um, we're better, those thoughts are the expression of fear. We, we are in fear in that moment when we need to prove ourselves. We're in fear of becoming not enough, whatever that might be. Mm-hmm. And everybody will live their life in fear as long as we do not know, do not experience the alignment of our soul with God. Because our power comes from our invulnerability. Yeah. This journey, we have to get vulnerable to see our fears, but then we got to claim our invulnerability because our invulnerability is is the claiming of our worth. Our invulnerability is as a non-physical being that I am, nothing in this human experience can uh, undo what I am, can sabotage what I am, can make me any less than how God created me. And until we have maturity on this spiritual journey, we cannot enter the the deeper relationship with God, which is what the Course in Miracles is all about. Well, and, you know, I, I want to say to you too, Lana, is that you know the power of awareness. It really does start with awareness. You know, I I I, w- I became aware that I was self sabotaging or trying. My subconscious was trying to self sabotage. I think in a lot of ways this relationship, that whole old story of you know I'm not good enough. He's just going to leave. Let me quit before I get fired. Let me you know, whatever that is because. If we have a negative subconscious belief that's driving the bus, whatever it is, our life is going to try and prove that and create the evidence to support it. And exactly. you know, thank God that I met a man who's willing to do the work with me and yeah. who's willing to, you know, really understand what I went through and how it has affected me and knows that I'm willing and anxious to do the work and to do it differently. And, you know, I think, um, it takes it takes a big person to be able to do that with someone that's been through some of the things that I've done. So I'm really grateful for that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I so celebrate that for you because the the entire process of the subconscious mind that that develops an ego, it has one goal and one goal only. And that is to block love. Period. Yeah. Because as little children, we learn that love hurts. Mm-hmm. So we're undoing an incredible pattern that gets yeah. established. Yeah. And so this is not a this is not an easy journey. So I, I want to commend you and everybody who is watching who is who's moving right along with your story, because it takes an incredible amount of courage to be willing to say, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe how I view life, how I protect myself, maybe my perceptions of men, women, of how I should be, how I shouldn't be, maybe I'm maybe there's there's room for improvement here. Maybe I'm incorrect about my way of thinking that I should show up in the world. Maybe I'm wrong about how I perceive the world Mm -hmm. because it requires an incredible amount of, of courage to enter into curiosity. Otherwise we're stuck in control and Mm -hmm. control is all about protection. And at the end of the day, we have got to be willing to come in and do a self-analysis. Let's see what is it that I'm believing inside of me that has me not know the real truth of me so that I can align with my authenticity. When we begin to do that, it is one of the most powerful things that we will ever, ever do. 
Well, oh. and that's why your 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 class get, really helped me to see where was I at in that journey. And that was important because I felt like Groundhog's Day for a long time. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, am I ever going to get through this journey? And I realized that I was cycling through that and there were going to be many of those. And so it helped to really, you know, get me to understand that you know, this was normal and this was a part of life and it's a cycle and it's a normal cycle that we go through. And we're going to go through it multiple times because I was starting to think I was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And, and as Shane is saying, yeah, ultimately we have to focus on, on that love. And I love that Elliot is saying that he, he loves being wrong. Oh boy. <laughs> do I love being right, wrong. Elliot. I do not want to be right ever. So thank you for saying that Elliot, because it's true. Yeah. You know, the to Please come learn yeah to come to know god you you got to come empty-handed god doesn't need our our advice god doesn't need all of our affirmations and it doesn't need our chanting it doesn't need our bowing it doesn't need a freaking thing from us god needs us to come empty-handed because when we're empty-handed we come in like little children innocent and humble that's when we're teachable if we are not innocent little children who are teachable, we are out in self-protection. I to thought be I could do it all up. by myself. I was like, I got this. I'll do it all by myself. I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out until I ran myself into the ground and had no choice but to be like, okay, I surrender, God. You got me. Like, help, help. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 then it, and then it did. And it did come. And the work does pay off. So I guess one thing I want to say is, and I don't know who's watching that may or may not have experienced any trauma, whether it's emotional, sexual, physical, um, there is life after it. There is, um, there is healing and there are layers and it does, and it isn't always easy and it isn't always pretty, but it's definitely always worth it. And if you keep it up and you stay at it and you do the work, you can have the relationship. You can have the career you want. You can do the things that you want to do. And life does get better. And it doesn't mean it's always going to be perfect, but it does get better for sure. <laughs> yeah, I put put on here that, yeah, there is life after trauma for sure. That healing journey is definitely worth it. So, Rainy, we're going to wrap up here in a second. So sure. tell 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 us about what your next um, things are, how people can find out about you, keep up with you. And, uh, and I'll have a couple parting words. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, for now, right now, I'm actually working on building my own personal brand. Um, my journey out to California um, left me with a lot of a lot of wisdom and knowledge and things that I want to share with the world. And especially with people who have been through um, trauma, who are looking for a way to shift their life. And I want to be able to to take all the work that I've done and share that with people from a from a place of love. And so I'm working on my own brand. Um, I am going to begin writing my book. Um, now that I have the wonderful love and support of a great man in my life, I have a little more time to do those things and support to do those things. Um, so that's really on my heart is to write my book and to write my story. And hopefully that'll help a lot of a lot of women who've been through the same thing and men, too. Um, and then um, right now I work for um, a technology association in Georgia. I have a great event space out here where I get to hold events, whether it's um, for the technology world or whether you have a personal development workshop, or you want to come hold a workshop here. Uh, I've got a great space. So that's part of how I serve the world. But um, for now, you can just check me out on Facebook, send me a private message, connect with me. Um, and as soon as my website, and my book get out, I'll be glad to connect with everyone and uh, feel free to send me any questions or if I can support you in any way, just let me know. 
I love that. Yes, you you are a, a bright beacon of light and you will be lighting the way for so many because each of us that that does our work, what we literally do is we, we come out from underneath the bushel and we let our light shine brightly and beautifully. Um, a couple couple quick comments. So Leslie, yes, can't wait to read her book. Me too. Aww, thank you, um, Leslie. So Rainy, give me a uh, just a, a quick little answer. How do you align yourself with your truth now that you know that the essence of you is not only worthy, worthy, powerful, complete, but it is a presence of love? How do you bring yourself back into alignment? Um, meditation has been a big key for me. Um, that was one gift that Reverend Richard from Unity North gave me. He was like, when I was struggling, when I first came there, he's like, if you'll just meditate, he's like, just try it 10 minutes every day. Even if you think you're doing it wrong, same time, same place, do it for two weeks, do it two weeks. And he's like, I'll promise it'll shift your life. So meditation is a big key for me. That's a, that's a daily practice that it helps me to stay in alignment. Um, I also feed my brain a lot of good motivational YouTube. That's kind of my thing. I love to do it in the morning. It's kind of my, um, you know, what we feed and what we listen to matters. Um, so I feel like it's really important to to be careful what we let into our mind and to make sure that we're we're reinforcing those things we learn because repetition matters. You know, I, I've heard something one time, I'll go hear it again. And then I'm like, Oh my gosh, I've never heard that before. <laughs> but you know, you got to keep it going repetition and um, prayer, prayer, repetition, meditation, staying connected with my source um, and really giving back, you know, going out there and connecting with people and, and trying to give what you get that keeps you in the cycle and the flow. I feel like. Absolutely. I, I love that. And uh, through this journey, uh, coming back to to surrendering to source, what um, what is your favorite way of, of uh, or what, what's your favorite word for it? Because I went through a process where I hated God growing up Catholic. I couldn't stand God punishing God, send me to hell to burn on a rotisserie for the rest of my life. I didn't like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then I went, I called it source, creator, spirit, yeah. all kinds of other words. And eventually in one of my, my moments with God, it told me to call it Jesel, um, it, which is an acronym for, you know, G-S-E-L. God is the source of the energy of love. And, and God said to me, I want you to know that I am the source of the energy of love. The name God is irrelevant. It's too, it's got too many things um, attached to it but that it is the source of the energy of love. And my way to align is, am I feeling that energy of love flowing through me? Am I, am I being the source of that energy of love? That's my reset. That's that's how I align. But what do you call God? What have you come to feel comfortable in calling your creator? It's God for me. It's God. It's always been God. Um, I think I think the the cool thing for me now is I grew up Southern Baptist and I am very much believe in unity and the principles they teach. But I feel like now that I've gotten unity, I can kind of see how they all are the same. We're all saying the same thing. We're all just giving it a different name. You know, it, it, it really yeah. is. And that's been beautiful for me because at first I tried to make all the other stuff wrong. I'm like, well, that was wrong. <laughs> that was bad. I didn't do that, you know. Yeah. Um, but it's it's God for me. 
Yes, yes. And Shane thinks of it as source. You know, it doesn't matter what we call it. We are all being called into alignment with truth. We're all being called into healing. The shift in consciousness that we're experiencing is about remembering that we are a bringer of what that is to the planet. And no matter what we call it, it is love. Well, God is love to me. Yeah, God is Absolutely. love to me. Yeah. We and are love. God shows up in everyone. Every in everyone. Yeah. In everyone. God is in everything we see. And if we don't look for God, is because we don't remember that. And that is what gives us the ability to look at the ego that we've created that blocks it. That's where the trauma comes in. That's where we find our way to the places inside of us that have been wounded, which is why the healing journey is so necessary. Because what we're healing ourselves from is we're healing our mind from believing that uh, we are not love. We're healing our body. We're healing ourselves emotionally to allow that love to flow again. Thank you so much, Rainy, for being with me. Thank you. Next week. Thank you for all the work you do on the planet and for the power oh. of awareness. It really is the key to everything. So thank you so much for all you do, oh. too. My pleasure. My pleasure. And thanks to our audience for watching. And next week, I've got Jen, Jane, I'm sorry, Jen Moff. She is going to be talking about bringing consciousness to the workplace, which is kind of cool. I haven't had anybody do that. And the week after that, uh, my my wonderful, sweet friend and, and client, uh, Ella, Oh my gosh, a powerful, powerful story here. Here's a woman who's becoming a conscious mom, going through a lot of things and, and shifting how she parents. Beautiful, powerful story. So I look forward to seeing you uh, oh, Monday, definitely. 12 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. Thank you, Rainy, for being here. Thank, Thank you, Shane you and, and uh, Elliot and everybody, Spence, who were with us today. I look forward to seeing you next week. You guys have a magnificent rest of your day. And remember, we really, truly are all magnificent. Mwah. We are. Thanks, guys. Bye. <laughs> Bye, everybody.